Good evening. It's our next dip into Philippians and we're staying in Philippians 2 and we're seeing it through to the end of the chapter. This is a passage that really, from my point of view, takes its entire value from what comes before it. We would be quite daft to consider it in isolation. The last time we were looking at Philippians, we looked at the end of chapter one and the beginning of chapter two. And there's stuff in there about the way we conduct ourselves. I say us because although it wasn't written to us, it was written to this church in Philippi. This is a European church. It's a church that doesn't have a basis uh, in a synagogue. So it's not got that Jewish underpinning. And so there are ways in which we might resonate with it, quite apart from which uh, it's inspired. It's writing is inspired by the Holy Spirit and our reading is inspired by the Holy Spirit, too. So we can genuinely see it as something that's helpful for us. So the end of Philippians 1 going into Philippians 2, Paul is saying there's there's ways to see the world, there are attitudes to carry that means that your conduct better reflects that of Jesus and then he goes on to explain what Jesus is like in that uh, incredible bit of poetry, that, that hymn we think uh, in the first part of Philippians 2 where he talks about Jesus' character. Having said those things, he then goes on, Paul does, to write. He's writing from prison, remember. And he says these things. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose couple of things to pick up there, because I think this really is an important um, uh, couple of sentences for kicking on from what's come before to looking at what comes next. Paul says obedience is key. Not always the most popular concept, particularly in a culture like ours that naturally mistrusts authority figures, possibly for very good reasons. But it means that we tend not to think of obedience as a good thing. We tend to think of independent decision making as a good thing. And anything that isn't that tends to get played down. As a way of getting context on this, I'm going to borrow from this book, Milton Jones's even more concise 10 second sermons. It's a book I really like. Uh, and this is a section called Christians. There are just a few bits in it, but I'm gonna, not gonna read all of them. It says this, we are all like, this is Christians, like distracted dogs who run beyond the range of our master's shouts and whistles making it a lot more complicated for him to follow us around with a plastic bag and a trowel. Our lives are full of mess and God is very good at taking care of us and the mess that we leave behind. We are easily distracted. We aren't very good at obedience. But these are exactly the things that Paul wants us to focus on. He says elsewhere in his writing, um, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. And here again, he's saying obedience is important. You, you know, he says to this church, you know to be obedient. But remember that it's not so much me that you're being obedient to. But actually, what I've told you is what Jesus is saying. So as you obey me, really, you need to be aware that you're obeying God and stick with that. And obeying God, he says, is about two things. This is from verse 13. Will and act according to God's 
purpose. Will is about how you think. Yeah, it's about getting your, your brain in the right place, about being able to see things the way God would see them. And act is the doing. We've said before that being obedient. In fact, we said it in our uh, Pentecost service when we renewed our covenant to to walk with Jesus, to be his apprentice, isn't just to think, but it's to do as well. So we need to have our minds in the right place, but we also need to be active. And our obedience means both of those things. I'm going to pick out another of these quotes. Often when I ask God what he wants me to do next, I'm just trying to get out of what I'm supposed to be doing at the moment. That's something I can really relate to. I have a tendency to be happier to look for something new to do than to recognise that probably I've already got an instruction I should be following and I do very well to stick with it. Paul in these verses we're looking at verse 14 now says do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life our culture is not a big fan of doing things the way Jesus would we can demonstrate that there is a light and hope in how that happens our ability to speak into our culture is enormous because we come from it and we understand their language. It's important then that we don't try and insulate ourselves from the world around us. And I'm straight back to this guy who says this. Upholding Christian values can be a way of insulating myself from the world. And that is the ultimate unchristian value. Being able to uphold the way Jesus would work means doing so in the middle of the world in which Jesus has placed us and not trying to build distance between us and it because God made it and all those people in it too he loves them and cares about them and it's that characteristic that Paul highlights about Timothy as well as we keep going through this passage I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon he says in verse 19 that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Notice how Timothy is highlighted as an example of good discipleship, not because of his amazing doctrinal stance, not because he's a fantastic evangelist. We get the impression sometimes that he was a bit of an awkward character, didn't come across as very um, confident. But the thing that Paul wants to highlight about Timothy is his genuine concern. He loves people and he wants to show them that love. And he does so in a way that reflects who Jesus is. He is Paul's apprentice. That's why we get this phrase um, in verse 22. Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. He's following the family trade, even though it's not really a father and son relationship in that way. But Timothy is doing the following Jesus the way that Paul would. And Paul can see it specifically in the way in which Timothy is caring and compassionate. Now, I want to just flip back to this idea that we do things without complaining or arguing. You'll notice that, um, that Paul's highlighting of Timothy's compassion, his, his care for others, his interest in your welfare. That really does reflect how Jesus is. And it cuts right across this thing, that pattern that we sometimes see in churches where there is a lot of grumbling. You know, the, the, 
the leadership team don't do this properly or, or why why do the deacons behave in this way or why is the minister saying that or or can't the minister do more of this kind of thing the grumbling is something all the commentators say that paul is drawing from the experience of of the israelite people coming out of egypt and heading towards the promised land they grumbled enormously as they were in the process of being saved from slavery and injustice and oppression because following the way god was leading them was tricky for them they, they didn't find it easy it wasn't all wine and roses and so they moaned it wasn't how they wanted it to be or expected it to be so they grumbled um, as soon as the grumbling starts in any context you get arguments that follow because as people moan about things and other people try to counter it you get this fighting going on paul has already said in chapter two um verse two make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love being one in spirit and purpose notice that love is key there for paul in how they demonstrate a togetherness and timothy is an example of how that works paul then pushes on and talks about epaphroditus and again these this is a guy who for paul uh, really personifies shows demonstrates by the way he lives what it is to have compassion and care for others and to put his life at risk in order to serve jesus one more from this book it's best writes not jones to try and see the good in people even if it's sometimes that it's only manure that one day could sustain roses Timothy's concern for welfare and Epaphroditus's com commitment to the church at Philippi and to Paul are both demonstrations of what it is to carry the likeness of Jesus. And as disciples, we are to obey Jesus and so become more like him. Jesus says this in Matthew 28 when he gives the instructions to his disciples, go into all the world, tell all the people groups there are about me and not just baptise them but teach them. Tell them everything about how Jesus lived, what he said and what was the priorities for him. I'm going to end there, but I want to just share with you three questions. Um, at some point, you'll have the chance to play this back, I hope, and we'll be able to pause them while I put them up. So the first one is this. There we go. What makes you feel like grumbling? And be honest with yourself, because there will be things. There will be things that, that you grumble about. Uh, and there will be things within the church, within this group of uh, Jesus followers, Jesus apprentices. There'll be things about that that make you grumble. Be honest with yourself about what they are. Take them to Jesus. Be honest with him about the fact that you do grumble. And ask him to work with you on how you take that forward. While maintaining unity and love and compassion. Secondly. How are you growing to become more like Timothy and Epaphroditus? Paul saw them as models for how we might behave more like Jesus, so to live out the Jesus attitude. Now, we're not accidentally going to become obedient to Jesus and more like Timothy and Epaphroditus. It's going to take decisions from us, work and thinking, reflecting on who we are and what we're like, accepting that we're not the finished article, deciding how we're going to change and grow. It takes time and discipline. How are you doing it? And thirdly, what makes it easier or harder to be obedient to Jesus? There are things about what Jesus says or about the world around us that make obedience harder or easier. 
again, be honest with yourself. Your answer might be different from somebody else's. That's okay. But don't kid yourself. You find some of the obedience hard. So do I. So does everybody in the room with you if you're with others. And so does everybody in the church with you if you can think who they are. You're all going to find that difficult in different ways. If you want to be obedient to Jesus and become a faithful disciple, be honest about what that is. Seek God's help with it. Ask the Holy Spirit to be part of how you answer those questions. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being with us as we looked at these verses. Would you give us courage to be honest with ourselves, courage to be honest with each other, and a determination to be obedient to you, that we might become more like the living Lord Jesus. Amen.